party people. All right, that was Andra, but I am Nikki Jankola Shanks, and this is another episode of Making Sense of Money, and I'm one of your hosts. Today, we're going to be talking about how to set, plan, and reach travel goals, which I'm sure many of us are excited about, particularly this year. I feel like, at least for me, I am very excited to, to be able to travel again. Now that I'm fully vaccinated, I can start taking those trips that were postponed. Last episode, we talked about many ways that you can create a financial plan and the wide variety of budgeting methods or strategies that exist to help you improve your overall finances while working to accomplish your goals, such as travel. And I'm one of your other hosts, Jake Hamilton. I'm actually going to be taking a vacation pretty soon, next week, actually. Uh, So I'm excited to share some of the things that I've learned while planning for my own trip and start thinking about ways to plan for my future travel goals as well. And I'm the last of your co-hosts, Andrew Pellegrini. I've done a lot of travel over the years for both leisure and for fun. So I'm excited to share kind of what I've learned about planning for travel costs. Something that we didn't cover in the last episode that we probably should have covered is defining the difference between needs and wants. So this is kind of important when we're talking about financial planning for travel because Your travel plans may be for business or for pleasure or for some type of other need like a family emergency. So it's important to kind of understand what the differences between wants and needs are. Some people have like very strong opinions on what constitutes a need or a want. However, I think it's important to understand that these things are very individualized. One of the biggest components of defining what a need or a want is for you depends on your own personal values and your situation. So one thing that I like to do or or how I define a need is something that if you went without it, it could hurt your health, your safety, or your livelihood. That's an easy way to remember a need, especially because I talk a lot to students and it's a new kind of concept for them sometimes, especially the individualized part of it. So when it comes to travel, for example, a trip that's required in order for you to earn income might fall into the needs category, where a trip to celebrate your birthday or retirement or graduation might fall in the once category. But again, it all depends on your individual situation and values as to whether or not you would categorize a trip as a need or a want. We could probably do like a whole podcast just on defining how values impact our spending and our saving decisions. So I'm not going to go any more into depth on that, but it's something that I just wanted to touch on as we talk about planning and prioritizing our travel goals. So Nikki and Jake. Since adventure is like one of the funnest things to talk about when we're talking about travel, how would you describe your ideal vacations? I'll go ahead and start, I guess. I think it's for me, it's hard to narrow it down to one single ideal vacation. Any, any vacation, any rest and relaxation that I'm doing is probably going to involve some golf. So I'll just say my top two vacations would be somewhere that's warm where I can play golf in the morning and sit on a beach with a cold beverage in the afternoon. Or I think someday I would love to 
travel to the United Kingdom and do like a golf tour there where I can play some really old courses and some like historical golf courses like St. Andrews where they have the, it's like a very famous old public golf course where they hold the the open championship tournament, which is one of the four majors. So something like that would be, would be ideal for me. Those are top two on my bucket list. I'd have to say. That's awesome. Especially the historical piece, knowing that you were a history major, like just pulls it together with the golf. I love it. What about you, Nikki? So um, I am an ocean girl. Like I am happiest when I am in the water. It's kind of amazing that I live in a landlocked state besides the lake. But like (laughs) when I go on vacation, I want, I like need that. Like that's one of my like needs for a vacation. If I'm going to spend the money, how, where is the nearest ocean that I can go to? So one of my dreams is to stay at one of those resorts, you know, where they're like the little huts over the water where like, you're just in basic, you're living on the water. So that is on my bucket list. And then besides anything to do with water, I'm, I am half Greek and half Italian and my husband is hundred percent Irish. So we would love to do like a Greece and Italy trip. And, and then like an Ireland trip. Can I go on your trips? Those sound like fun trips. Sure. Sounds great. <laughs> so I, I guess I should probably share my ideal vacation. I love adventure. Since getting a dog, I've transitioned into road trips, like is my ideal vacation. Cause then I can take my dog with me. But even prior to getting a dog, just like new places to visit. I tend to like Rocky coast, like Pacific Northwest was really fun when I went there. Been there a couple of times and I've been to Maine several times. Like just there's a lot of variety, especially in the fall because then there's a lot of colors. You drove to both of those places? Yes. Yes. And I've driven with my dog to trip. Maine. And then in this completely separate time, we drove to Oregon. And then before my husband and I got married, we flew to Seattle and then drove around the Olympic Peninsula and went to all the temperate rainforests and along the, the coast for Oregon. And then we flew out of uh, Portland. It was a very fun trip. Did not take my dog on that one because she was not with us yet. Got it. I love road trips. Road trips are great also. So many things to see and do. I love road trips. They're my favorite. But I think ultimately just based on our kind of discussion people have a lot of different needs and wants when it comes to vacation planning right just vacation planning is important to understand your needs and wants and your values and your preferences for kind of determining what your travel priorities are going to be so maybe you care let's say you're sitting at home and you're listening to a podcast and you're like well I care about sustainable tourism or maybe you prefer to relax it hotel next to a pool or maybe you want to be on a cruise maybe you just like to prioritize visiting your friends and family that are far away from you whatever way that you like to to travel we understand it's a lot of variety out there so jake since you're getting ready for a trip how did you decide like where you were going to go what was your planning process on this one we didn't have too much of a decision i guess it it, this is a this falls into the visiting friends and family category. But my significant other has a best friend who is in the Navy and he's stationed on a the island of Oahu in, in Hawaii, which will 
I think it'll be pretty fun. You know, I haven't been there before, but I, I've heard some good things about, about Hawaii. So we're pretty excited. Definitely so that, my happy place. So yeah, the decision was kind of, we knew where he was and there was some time constraints on our trip. We had to visit him this year before he gets too busy with work. So we knew that we had to go this year and we knew where we were going. So that, that helped with the planning up front because we knew exactly where we were going. So that part of the decision-making process was kind of already made for us, but it was about visiting this, this friend of ours. I think that's an excellent reason to go on a trip, especially to Oahu. I've never been, but I've seen a lot of pictures and they're beautiful. And I can't wait to see yours, Jake. Very exciting. You definitely uh, can't road trip with your dog to Hawaii. No, I can't. I'm so sad about that. And I won't put her on a plane. She's too big. Not yet, at least. Maybe somebody will build a tunnel to Hawaii. Fingers crossed. Nikki, what about you? What's your typical planning process for planning for a trip? So when I first start thinking about a trip, the first thing is always airfare costs for me. So once I know where I'm going, right, whether that's to visit family or friends or just for vacation with my husband or friends, once we have the destination figured out, airfare is always the most important because that's often the biggest expense, especially depending where you're going. So I research to see if there are any good deals to the location I want to travel Sometimes airlines will be running specials that you may not realize or know about until you actually look it up. I also look to see if there is a better time of the year that if we want to go someplace that may be cheaper. So for example, when my husband and I went to Hawaii on our honeymoon, we were married in June, but we didn't go on our honeymoon till like end of August through Labor Day because the flights were much cheaper than trying to go during the summer. Same with hotel prices. So I we I always look at the timing of when might be the best to take this trip if if I have that flexibility too. So I usually end up creating some sort of spreadsheet or just like a very detailed email that lists all the available choices of like we fly here on these days, it's this cost, et cetera. And then I do that same type of research for where to stay, whether that's a hotel or an Airbnb or something like that, like a vacation rental. Visually, it helps me to be able to see all my options. So I map it out that way. Once we have that situated, I make a list of things that I definitely want to see or do at the destination. And then if any of these cost money, I keep track. So I can estimate the total cost of the trip. So just to go back to my Hawaii trip, for example, I wanted, like, it was my dream to go swimming with sea turtles. So I made sure to factor in a snorkel trip that, like, took you to Turtle Turtle Bay, I think was the name of it. So that, you know, that was, like, a something we needed to do. So that's my process. But if you don't really have a process or need help coming up with your own, there is we've talked about it before, the SMART framework that you could tailor to meet your travel goals to set them. So each letter in SMART stands for something. This SMART in this case is an acronym. And so for example, for the S, it could stand for the specific destination or type of experience you want to take. Then the N is the measure or the total cost of your trip. So that's the amount that you need to save or pay to go on this trip. A encourages us to agree upon the details of the trip with whoever we're traveling with. So you can't just make all the decisions for a trip 
unless your friends or significant others say it's okay. You need to check with people that you're traveling with as well. R reminds us to be realistic on what type of trip you can afford, either your resources or your budget. Again, I will give my Hawaii example because that's the biggest vacation I've taken. You know, helicopter tours are really popular in Hawaii and I'm sure they're gorgeous, but they're very expensive. And that was just something that my husband and I were like, we don't need to do this. Like we could save this money and, and stay a whole nother day in Hawaii to cover the hotel cost. And then the last T could be on the time you need to either take the trip or prepare for the trip. Um, Andrea, what's your trip planning process like? You might've guessed based on my little intro at the beginning, I have a process. So it really depends on the constraints of the trip, but I I have a, a general process. So for work trips, which I used to take pre-pandemic pretty much every month, at least. It was a lot, but I needed to kind of define the time first and the location of my obligations. So sometimes I would go on a trip up to Chicago and have multiple obligations that I needed to plan for within the same time frame. And then I needed to define whether or not it was going to have to be an overnight trip or just a day trip. And then I would decide on my transportation, depending on where I was going, I might fly or ride or drive. And if I was going to drive, do I drive my own car? Do I reserve a carpool car if it's for a university trip? Do I rent a car if it's for a longer trip? Because the way that the university works, I get reimbursed on mileage for my own car which the mileage reimbursement also fluctuates depending on what year it is. Sometimes I change mid-year as far as the mileage that you get. So I also consider sometimes per diem, that is an amount of money that you would get from an employer to cover food costs. And it's capped for my employer at a certain amount for every 24-hour period. And that's a reimbursement process based on if I'm having an overnight trip or not. And then I have to make sure to save all my receipts. So I have one place in my wallet to put all my receipts. So if I lose them, I can't get reimbursed. And then I usually schedule a time in my calendar for submitting my reimbursement for travel after my trip is over. Because I want that money back when it's available. And like with the per diem, I usually go out when I travel to eat. It's very hard to like meal plan and take a cooler with me for an overnight trip, for instance. And the per diem usually doesn't cover the cost of my food. So I might pay a little bit more when I travel for food, but that per diem does help. And not all employers offer per diem, but that's something to know about when you are planning your first work travel trip. Yeah, I was going to say, sorry, not to cut you off, Andrew. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to interject yeah if, if if you know you are working in a job or, or planning on getting getting a job that we, we have to travel a lot for work it's definitely important to find out what exactly you are reimbursed for and what that reimbursement process is like um, some jobs may have like a pretty quick reimbursement process some jobs may take longer i know like for the division of banking the majority of our staff are bank examiners who are out on the road all the time so they are constantly traveling for work and they constantly have to submit their reimbursement for all of their travel and so that's a process that we're very familiar with at the division of banking but i would just encourage people if you have travel for your own job definitely familiarize yourself with with all the procedures of it and then 
once you know if you know if your reimbursement takes a month or if it takes two weeks or however long you can plan around that for the rest of your expenses yeah and some employers also offer like travel credit cards when I first got my position I was considered a visiting employee and they would not give a travel card to me so I was like you know what I'm gonna get a new card where I get points for whenever I use my credit card on travel. And then that's how I dealt with it. (laughs) Got to get the benefits if you can. Got to get the benefits, especially if they're going to take a month to reimburse me. Mm -hmm. Right. So they don't always take that long. I'm just. (laughs) Well, and to go along with that, I know if you're able to, I had a friend who for work, she opened up her own separate credit card. It's not like she's earning points and stuff, but she doesn't own her own business, but she travels a lot for work. So anything that she needs to be reimbursed for, she puts on that credit card. So it's never intermingled with her actual expenses. And it's easier for her to keep track of who she's getting paid because she's a contractor. So like who's reimbursing her for what? Um, That was one tip she had told me if I was ever going to be traveling a lot. I mean, I only go to Springfield, so, and we haven't been doing that that recently because of the pandemic either. But that was one tip that she said helps her a lot because otherwise she was traveling so much for work. It just got confusing. That makes a lot of sense. There's also some situations because like my employer won't reimburse certain types of expenses right? So if like, let's say I get a a candy bar out of the hotel, like thing, and they want to charge it to my room, I have them put it on a separate bill because they won't pay for the candy bar. My whole expense report would get denied. So that's important to know when you're thinking about work travel is what are the travel reimbursement policies for your particular employer and you have to be mindful of that while you're <laughs> while you're traveling so that you don't have to go back and be like, hey, can you give me a separate receipt for this, even though you left the hotel a week ago, right, when you go to do your reimbursement or you just eat that money like it's now you just paid for it. So you paid for that night of a hotel because you can't have the same thing on it. All right. So that's that's my work process for play. When I go on vacations for pleasure, I brainstorm lots of locations and now it's all dog friendly locations, typically road trips. And I look at potential dates. I tend to travel usually like after the semester ends, like in May, June, at least once. And then I usually travel in October. It's either one or the other or both. I get a lot of vacation days with my employer thankfully. But that's my typical time frame for travel because that's when it works for me and my partner. However, depending on your own situation, you might look at other potential dates. And the more flexible you are with dates, if you want to go somewhere specific, the easier it is to kind of plan your travel and plan for cost savings with your travel. I usually make that brainstorming list to discuss with my husband. And sometimes I will make a spreadsheet like Nikki of comparing all the costs of lodging and different activities, time constraints and limitations for any of these different areas that we go to, especially since I have to consider my dog in those. I usually spend a lot of time 
researching lodging costs because that tends to be the highest cost for me, but it would be airfare for some other people, especially if they are going abroad. I also usually look at fuel costs for our road trips with something like the fueleconomy.gov trip calculator, which we can probably put in the show notes. And if I plan to fly anywhere, I usually use several different cost comparison tools. Nikki probably used several different ones too. One trick is if you didn't know this, try to use incognito mode so that they don't leave cookies on your browser so they know you're looking for the same trip. Because I've looked for the same trip, I've searched for it within 10 minutes and the price has gone up before. For you guys who don't know what incognito mode is, it's a setting on your internet browser that, like Andrew says, doesn't track you. So it's easier to resubmit forms, et cetera. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, it's not always called incognito mode, but I think that's the Google one. But there's other like, yeah, your browser should have like a private browser. Private tab. mode, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. But that's a good tip. A lot of people say that, you know, when you're, because these sites will they'll use your data against you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to do that sometimes. Or even... If you search on different days of the week, it can, it can adjust your airfare. Like I read once Tuesday mornings is when they usually do a price adjustments for airfare, though that might've changed in the past year or two. I always like to look at when I'm looking at air for airfare, not just big hubs like Chicago or St. Louis or Indianapolis. I also like to look at what the costs are for closer airports in central Illinois because the time I can save sometimes is worth the extra hundred dollars just to fly out of Bloomington or, you know, one of the places real close to me rather than paying for parking, driving three hours, being in the TSA line for two hours, because going through TSA locally is like 10 minutes for me. Yeah, it's an important comparison. I've done that, but I've, I've made the choice to fly locally instead of out of a major hub in Chicago before, because when I looked at the cost of staying at a friend's and getting an Uber to the hotel and back, you know, that's a $40 Uber each way. And then, you know, not to mention, I have two plus hours of driving up to the city. Plus when I get back and, and like you said, there's the the convenience factors who, um, and sometimes it, it, it might even be cheaper just to, to get the local flight when yeah. you factor in all associated costs with, with getting to and from the airport. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little bit longer because there might be a layover flight, especially from a smaller. Um, so it might be a longer trip from that perspective, but from a convenience, when you get back on the ground after you've been in the air all day, sometimes the 10 minute drive home is just So like I've already said, I have a big, beautiful Greyhound. So I like to consider all the travel costs associated with having a dog or having pets, Um, like understanding boarding fees and travel fees and lodging, additional lodging fees for pets. If you are traveling by air with a pet, there's additional air travel fees. For instance, I don't bring my dog on air travel because she would have to be in the luggage section, which I'm not good. I'm not down with. (laughs) She's too big. So I think it's important to remember that there are some travel and lodging that just won't be an option for you based on 
your dog's breed or your cat's breed or size or local laws. There are some local laws that prevent you from traveling with pit bulls, for instance. And like you go to an Airbnb and you have a pit bull, sometimes you'll have to board them outside of that regional area. So it's important to know what those laws are going to be in the area that you're traveling to. And also knowing kind of what the pet amenities are can really be helpful when you're traveling. So if something happens where your dog breaks a leg or your cat has a seizure, you know where you can take them and kind of what the potential costs are. It's always important for me to record where my routes are, the locations I want to stop at, all the lodging options and needs, the activities we want to do, the cost of those activities, all kinds of things. It's, It's I usually make a checklist of all the things I want to do and places I want to visit. Since I do road trips, I like roadside attractions, photo ops. Anybody else like photo ops? Depends on the trip. (laughs) We're also, my family is a huge Disney family as well. So whenever we take the time to go to Disney, we always get the memory maker to make sure we're getting all of our our photo ops. Uh, A few years ago, I did... I, I did a lot of running at Disney through Run Disney. Like I did two half marathons and two 10Ks and, and stuff. So like for that, I definitely got the magic maker. So that way I got pictures on the race course as well. I try to do most of my picture taking myself. I don't like the idea of paying someone else to take pictures for me. But I mean, unless it's for a big event. But I guess, in a, I guess a vacation can fit under that big event umbrella. But I do a lot of selfies me. with my dog. I'm with you. I don't like paying for other people. So I'll just do like selfies and send them to my mom. Here's me and my dog. And maybe we'll fit my husband's head in there, but he's really tall. So sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. that I think only Disney World is when I've paid for vacation photography. And that's a little bit different just because Disney of the characters you have. I was running a race. So we include all your race pictures, et cetera. Well, Disney makes you pay for everything. So this is true, but I <laughs> trust me. I'm we're going to teach the people how to budget for that. If they want to go to Disney, you can exactly. account for that. It's good to plan for that. If you're going to exactly. Disney, you know, you got to plan for that stuff. So what's exactly. like the average cost of that? It really, do, it, it varies so greatly. My cousin is actually a Disney travel planner that she, she would be able to tell you like numbers off the top, but like, they have such different ranges of hotels. So it depends on, you know, what lodging you choose. It also depends, like they have um, park hoppers that allow you to go to like Magic Kingdom in the morning and Animal Kingdom at night, which is an extra fee. But you could just choose to do this day. We're just in Magic Kingdom the whole day. You know, there's food plans. There's not food plans. So like, it really depends. So to broaden that scope a little bit, like when you're thinking about your travel needs and wants, maybe identifying if I'm going to take advantage of this package, does it include pictures I want picture? Does it include food? Does it include activities that I want to do? If you're going to any type of amusement park, do they offer photo ops and what are the costs going to be? And is it worth it? Like, look, maybe look at the reviews. I've taken advantage of photo ops and then the photos were awful. I would never want them. (laughs) The one thing I will say too, when you're going on vacation and you're planning, especially if there's a lot of you, 
is to see what you can take food into. Mm-hmm. If you're going to an amusement park or maybe an amusement park, like, like a zoo, you know what I mean? Any of the, that type of stuff. A lot of those places will let you bring in food and drink. Um, mm-hmm. It means more to carry, but it's something just to check out. Yeah, because it can be quite expensive, even for a free museum or zoo, if you're going to be there all day. So knowing what your options are is really great for that. With my situation, we don't usually make a strict budget, but I do a lot of comparison shopping when I'm looking at what my costs are. And like I said, I pay a lot of attention to lodging costs and those additional costs for pet fees. And I like to make a list of activities that are free and activities that cost money and kind of compare like, which one of these do we want to take advantage of and which ones do we not care as much? And then I usually make a meal plan now for our trips so we can kind of plan out what the meal costs are. Because I didn't always do that. And then that ended up being almost as much as our lodging costs or more sometimes. So I think we've given you a lot of ideas about costs to consider and comparison options and opportunities for doing your research to come up with a budget for your travel plan. Jake, can you talk a little bit about the ways that you're looking to save some money on your upcoming trip? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there's a lot of ways I think that we've been able to like cut costs for our Hawaii trip. Hawaii is not a cheap place to go visit. You know, when you're flying across the world, you know, that is can be can be pricey. But the main thing up front that we knew would was going to save us money on this trip is not having to worry about hotel or Airbnb or lodging costs because uh, we are staying with a friend who who already lives there. So that's you know one way that we're cutting costs too. And then another big thing that helped us, and I think that maybe a lot of people might have right now that they might be able to utilize is that we had flight vouchers from 2020 due to the pandemic. We had bought flights before the whole world shut down in, in March. And you know, obviously we weren't able to do that trip in 2020, but we got vouchers from the airline. And we're able to utilize those towards our flight costs for this trip. So that made our flights to Hawaii more affordable, definitely. And I would just say those, those vouchers do expire. So if you have some from 2020, definitely make sure you don't forget, at, forget about them and, and, and plan to use them uh, on an upcoming trip. But I, I'm sure people are factoring that in. But I've, I've heard about people being like, oh, I, I, I forgot I had those or something like that because, you know, it was over a year ago and you don't, something you don't think about. That was totally me because we had a family trip with my husband's family planned. And usually we fly Southwest, but we were going where Southwest doesn't fly. So we booked, I think it was United tickets. And I totally forgot because Southwest, it's just like in our account. So it's easy to see. And so now we get to use those. Yeah. That was actually a consideration for us. We had like, we had like about like 500 to 600 dollars worth of flight vouchers and with united there were cheaper like slightly cheaper options for flights out there that we could see but when you took the cost of the vouchers that would you know included with that airline it was cheaper to go with united who we already had vouchers with so so that's something people can think about now i think most airlines are doing about two years so you probably if you have one of those you probably have like another year to utilize that before it expires so definitely keep that in the back of your mind Uh, Another way we're trying to cut costs is we're trying to plan things up front. We've got an itinerary and we, you know, we've got these activities that we know we want to do. You know, for me, I try, I'm trying to play golf. So I spend a night 
on Google Maps, looking up golf courses in the area and looking up their fees and, you know, the associated costs with that. So doing your research up front can help you, you know, pick the places that are more affordable. You can try to find that, that place that looks awesome, but is also kind of affordable. You can find the places that have the most bang for your buck, so to speak, before you get there. So that way, when you're there, you're not forced into, you know, something like if I, if I waited till I got there, I might say, Oh, that course looks really nice as we're driving by, let's play there the next day. And then I get there and it's, it's super expensive or something like that. You know, by doing the research up front, you can prepare yourself for the cost that you're going to incur while you're there. Uh, and then the last thing is that we're just planning low cost or even no cost activities like hiking or going to the beach, you know, a lot of places, especially if you're going to like a outdoor or scenic place, you can plan to do things in nature if that's up your alley where there's no cost associated with it because it's a public park or something like that. But yeah, you can do things like hiking or just going to the beach for, for no cost at all. And, and that's plenty of fun on itself. But some ways to, to limit travel costs generally besides leveraging your social capital like we've done. But I would say, you know, if you if you think it's too expensive to plan a vacation and pay for the hotel or the lodging or whatever, you can just go visit your friends. If you have them in other cities, you know, plan a, plan a trip where your friends can host you. If, if that's an option to available to you, you know, put the, put the cost on them of hosting you. <laughs> Some other ways that you can limit travel costs are you can bundle activities or look for free activities. Like I just said, the time purchase of lodging and transportation can also save you money especially airfare, because like right now, a lot of people are planning travel because a lot of people are getting vaccinated. A lot of people are traveling again. So the airfare costs are, are starting to get back higher and higher. So maybe look and see if there are better times to travel where it's lower cost to you. And a lot of the booking sites or like if places you're searching for travel or sites will have a, like a price tool that might tell you if the current costs that you're seeing are low or average, or if the costs are high, you know, you can kind of see on that scale, whether, you know, whatever the current prices are going to maybe go up in the future or go down in the future. So you can see if it's the right time to strike, or you maybe should wait a little bit longer. Also, you want to utilize services that are including with lodging. If you're, if you're paying for lodging, you know, if you're at a hotel that has a free continental breakfast, you know, you may, you want to make sure that you take advantage of that so that you don't have to go buy breakfast somewhere else. Like Andrea said earlier, you can make a meal plan to limit spending, you know, especially if you're going to be somewhere for like a, a week or longer. Um, you could even consider getting groceries if you have access to a kitchen in your lodging. You know, a lot of people stay in Airbnbs now, which is somebody's home or apartment, and you might be able to just cook there instead of eating out at the time. We know that eating out can be expensive. Or even if you do plan on eating out, like I said, do that research up front and find places that you would like to eat at that are you know, still affordable and might not break the bank. An example of this is I'm a, I'm a big barbecue fan and I always like to find the local barbecue spots where I go. And when we were planning to do that in, in Hawaii, you know, they suggested a luau, but they really only hold, hold those at like the big hotels and the touristy spots and they're really expensive. But I was looking for like, I want the like, small like hole in the wall place you know that has a smoker in the back alley that's been cooking barbecue for 40 years those are the type of places that i love you know where you can you can find the local spots like that so um do your research and, and find those more maybe more affordable spots up front and then just utilize the technology 
that you have, you know, like you said, we can look up all this stuff ahead of time. Like, you know, you can go on a, on an online map, like Google maps or Apple maps or whatever, and do a lot of research up front and find all these places and train your, plan your trips ahead of time so that you know, the costs or what costs are going to be associated with it. And then the last thing I would say too, is, you know, it's important to consider convenience versus cost trade-offs when you're looking for ways to save. For example, if the location of your lodging is further away from your activities, you may have to pay more in transportation than what you're saving, than what you're actually saving on lodging. Right now, Ubers are very expensive across the country. So even if that downtown hotel in the city that you want to travel to is 30 more dollars a night than the place that's on the outside of the city, on the city, if you're planning a lot of activities in downtown anyways, it might be worth it to pay that extra cost per night because who knows, you know, an Uber from the hotel on the outside of the city could be 20 to $30 each way. So, you know, that's an extra $60 anytime you want to travel to that downtown location. So that's definitely something to think about is sometimes you pay more for convenience, but you might also save travel costs by doing that. If you, if you factor in the associated transportation while you're there, and you also might look at the time it takes to get to and from places. If it's a 20 minute Uber from a hotel on the outside of the city versus a 10 minute walk somewhere that's downtown, you know, it could be more worth it to, you to, to go with that downtown one too. So all of that is just good ways to think critically, you know, about how you can cut costs and how you can go about planning. So that make sure you're not incurring any like crazy unexpected costs while you're, while you're on vacation. And then besides general travel planning and looking for ways to save on a trip, it's also really important to think about how to protect yourself and your finances both before and during your trip. So when you're looking to book maybe lodging or an excursion of some type, you want to make sure you're reading reviews from multiple places. Particularly, I find that helpful when it comes to lodging. When we book some Airbnbs, I like to make sure I'm reading through a lot of the reviews that are there, as opposed to just not the most recent, you know, just to to get a whole picture of what the circumstance may be. And we, you know, always plan ahead by comparing, which we have talked about a lot. Um, One thing that is particularly important right now is you check the CDC website for any travel advisories, both abroad and domestically. Especially with COVID, different countries have different restrictions around COVID. Uh, I know, for example, one of my best friends is going to Greece, and so she needs to have a negative test, even though she's been vaccinated to enter the country. And then to come home, she also needs to get tested upon her arrival. So it's just really good right now to check so you know that you're showing up with the right documentation if you need that negative test to let you in the country. And then even statewide, you know, different states, although that not as much as it used to be, I think, but it's just still a good check. Um, And then if you're using any apps to help with planning, make sure you're paying attention to the data that they track and security. So if you're making purchases on your phone through an app, you know, booking your lodging or your flights on your phone, make sure that you are convinced it's a secure website, right? Some of these like cheaper websites may not be as secure as booking directly through 
Southwest, for example. So just make sure you're checking and reading the rules and, and policies. We will put a link in the show, net, show notes to our FinTech episode that talks a little bit about this as well. And I had mentioned this earlier, but make sure you're communicating with all parties involved for your trip. So whether it's just you and a significant other, you and your family, friends, et cetera, make sure everybody's on the same page and you guys know how you're splitting costs and everything. Also be willing to compromise, which could be difficult when you're dealing with different personalities on a trip, especially if it's a big trip with lots of different people. So you may have to be strategic and and be willing to work with people. So make sure that you bring multiple forms of payment with you when you travel. And this is something that people may not really think of, but you will want to bring more than if, if you're a credit card user, don't just bring one credit card because guess what? If you lose that one credit card, you're stuck wherever you are. <laughs> May not be able to get back. So bring multiple cards or bring some cash and some credit card. Uh, same thing with cash. Um, you know, depending on how careful if you lose cash easily or you get pickpocketed or something, you want to make sure you have backup forms to be able to pay. Some people still use traveler's checks as well. So totally up to you. And then also understand, make sure you're understanding the value of services for the location that you're visiting. So talking about exchange rates, obviously, if you're going out of country, how much is the dollar worth in London? How much is it worth in Greece? How much is it worth in China? Wherever you're traveling to know, because you may have to add in more budget more than you may have thought, or maybe not as much as, as you thought. That's always a nice surprise as well. And then as always, make sure you watch for fraud. Make sure you're aware of your surroundings. Research some. There's common scams, particularly that certain places may target tourists if it's a super touristy spot. Be careful about sharing any personal information on anything in person even. And don't overshare on social media while you're away. This seems silly maybe, but there are actually people who will go through social media accounts and things like that and then go figure out where that person lives and actually rob those houses. When I was a teacher, this actually happened to one of my students' families. They, but it was their limo driver. They had the limo driver pick them up and the driver was asking all sorts of questions, which at the time they didn't think of about. But later they were like, oh, that was weird. They wanted to know, oh, when does your flight leave? When does your flight come back? Is someone watching the house for you? You know, like do you have pets, et cetera. And then when they got back from their vacation, their entire house was ransacked. So just make sure, yes, you're excited about trips. You wanna people, you wanna share your experiences, but be really careful about who and how you're sharing that information. And then lastly, I want to talk about travel insurance. You'll see this come up as you're booking different trips, particularly I feel like when you're looking at out of the country trips as well. So what is travel insurance? Basically, if you purchase it, then if something happens and you can't go on the trip, they could reimburse you for, for the cost. If you're abroad and maybe you get sick or something, you get injured and you have medical costs that aren't covered by your health insurance then the travel insurance may be able to cover some of that for you. However, comprehensive plans may cost as much as 8 to 10% of your trip. 
So make sure you're factoring that in if that's something that you think you want. Some credit card features have some of this embedded in it. So check to see what your benefits may be, but make sure you're double checking that fine print. People are always like, what would I actually need? I'm definitely going to go on this vacation. I've heard before. I know for me personally in our life, in my life, my aunt and my cousin were taking a trip to Greece and my grandparents were really sick and they had been planning it for like a year and a half. So they bought travel insurance when they did that because my aunt was like, God forbid, if they should pass away right before we're going, you know, so like situations like that, it may be worth it for you for peace of mind to, to purchase that travel insurance. Thank you, Nikki. That's a long list of ways to protect our finances. So as you're kind of preparing your finances for the actual travel, there are a few things you might want to consider in advance. Uh, for instance, cash might be best in some countries or in certain situations. Like if you're going to spend a whole week at a festival that only accepts cash, you even if it's domestic, you might want to make sure that you take cash. Credit cards might be best for travel to and from certain destinations. A lot of hotels won't accept cash or they will freeze debit cards while you're checked into the hotel. So that's something to remember about credit cards being a, a more convenient way to reserve lodging sometimes. You might want to look at what type of financial tools are most used in your destination country or the region you're going to. And then you might plan for, like we said, using multiple types of financial tools, be that cash or credit cards or traveler's checks, which are not as popular nowadays, but I have seen people use them. You may also want to keep a list of your credit cards, debit cards, or other financial tools separate from your wallet in case you lost your wallet. When I went to Australia several years ago, I left photocopies of my driver's license and my passport with my roommates just in case something happened, as well as a list of my credit card companies and their lost stolen card 1-800 numbers. If you're traveling to another country, you may also want to plan to get that currency from your financial institution or a local currency exchange prior to going to the airport for that country. It's important to remember that exchange rates differ and sometimes currency exchange location fees are hard to compare because they will include their fee for doing the exchange in the advertised exchange rate rather than listing it separately. So Jake, do you know if there are any regulations for currency exchange processes for banks and credit unions in Illinois that people should be aware of? Yeah, so currency exchanges are actually licensed by uh, one of our counterpart divisions here at IDFPR. The Division of Financial Institutions is who licenses and regulates currency exchanges. But currency exchanges are required by law to be licensed in the state of Illinois. So if you're going to use a currency exchange, like a local currency exchange versus your financial institution that you might bank at, and you're not familiar with them, just make sure you want to do uh, like a license lookup to make sure that they're legitimate. You can do that on the IDFPR website. And you can also look to see if they have any enforcement actions that may have been taken against a particular business. So if they've done anything that is that they're not allowed to in the past, that'll show up as well. Those are what enforcement actions are. But this information can all be found at our website, uh, idfpr.com slash DFI. 
uh, if you're looking for the currency exchanges. Uh, and if consumers do have an issue with a currency exchange, they can also report that on our, on our website as well. But like Andrea said, most banks and credit unions will do a foreign currency exchange for you if you bank with them. I would just su suggest people to, to do their research before cashing in your foreign currency for US dollar or vice versa if you want to do it up front before you travel to another country. Uh, sometimes a, the currency exchange can rates can be different in the country you're going to than they are here in the US. So it's just important to do your research and, and make sure you're aware of the fees and the rates that, that your institution has. Uh, like Andrea said, sometimes those fees are kind of folded into the exchange rate already. So make sure that's something that you're aware of and, and maybe see if there are better options elsewhere. And it's just important to know that short-term currency exchange rates fluctuate and they're not set by any law. You know, they're kind of set by the supply and demand so they can change over time. So just be prepared for that as well. And, and, and I would just say that also it's, you know, it's important to know I think when you travel to another country, it's important to kind of have in the back of your head a general understanding of what that exchange rate is. If you're traveling into Europe, you know, you and you're exchanging your dollars for euros, just kind of have in your head before you go on the trip that, oh, one dollar is worth this many euros so that you if you do have to end up exchanging while you're there, you know, you're aware of that and you can kind of make sure that you're not getting ripped off, so to speak, while you're there. So those are just all important things to to consider. So as we kind of come full circle and begin to wrap up, here's a short checklist of things to think about as you start planning and budgeting for your next trip. Decide with your group where you want to go and agree on the details. This could go back and forth throughout the planning and research process. Make sure you're researching common travel costs, transportation, to and from and at destinations, lodging, consider what you and your group need or want, your food, activities, and any souvenirs or gifts you may want. Discuss the cost and decide what time frame and other details work best for your budget. Be willing to compromise, especially if something happens to interrupt your plans or you're traveling with a group. Consider what financial tools will be best for your trip based on what's common at your destination. Travel insurance might be helpful depending on your situation or needs. Keep an eye out, as always, for fraud and scams. Anything else to add, Jake? I would just say to be flexible and enjoy yourself. If you take care of all the planning up front and ahead of time, you know, you can just enjoy yourself once you reach your destination. You know, I'm sure we all have travel horror stories or have heard from some friends and family about bad things that have happened while they're on vacation. Things that you don't plan for are obviously going to happen. And, you know, when those things do go wrong, don't let that stop you from having a good time or derailing the entire trip. So, you know, just... If something goes off the beaten path or outside of your plan, you took steps all ahead of time to prepare for this. So you're prepared for that. And just make sure that, you know, you're enjoying yourself while you're on vacation because you've earned it. And I know we've covered a lot of different topics and perspectives around travel planning today, but I hope that it does give all of our listeners out there some ideas for how to save for your next trip. Now I'm super excited to plan my next trip now that we've done this podcast. I might actually turn some of my, my planning spreadsheets into worksheets to share in the show notes for everyone. Do you guys think that would be beneficial or overwhelming? We saw, we saw Andrea's last spreadsheet for her most recent trip, and I do think that would be beneficial. Might be overwhelming for some. Yeah, it could be both. <laughs> a, little, a little bit of both? A little bit of both. I think, I think we can get that in the show notes. Okay, well, we'll see what I get done before this... <laughs> this one gets posted. 
Thanks again for tuning in to another podcast with us. Make sure to join us next time and feel free to share this episode with all your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play.